We're going to just jump right in this morning. Uh, This is our third week of our series called Believe. In week one, we asked the question, do you believe that Jesus forgives? Last week, we asked the question, do you believe that Jesus can heal? And today, we are going to kind of turn it around, and we're going to look at ourselves, and we're going to ask this question. Do you believe that you are a finished product? All right? Do you believe that you're a finished product? The, the groans across the sanctuary happened. Right? If, if the answer to that is yes, you're probably not in this room. Right? You're out, you know, chilling at the beach, doing whatever. I'm done. I'm good. Right? But do we believe that we are a finished product? And I would say most of us in here would say no. We're not a finished product. So what do we do with that? But I want to ask another question this morning on top of that. And, and this is that question. Are you different in in terms of as a person in your walk with the Lord, as a Christian, are you different right now than you were in January of 2023? A year ago, are you different now than you were then? And then on top of that, I'm asking all the questions this morning. How do you want to be different in January of 2025 than you are right now? All right. What are some of those things? How are we different? How do we grow in the Lord? Because the Bible tells us over and over again that it is our Father's desire, it is God's desire that we grow in Him. That we don't just stay stagnant in our faith and stay stay who we are for the rest of our lives in Jesus. No, it is God's will, it is His desire for us to grow in our faith, for us to grow in Him. If you have kids, it's that same thing. We want our children, we want our kids to mature, right? We might not always want them to grow because we love them being little and cute, right? But we want them to grow. We want them to mature. Another way to put it is we don't want to always have to change their diaper, right? I can say that in other ways, but we'll keep it clean, right? But we, we don't want to always have to be changing their diaper when they're 10 years old, right? They need to be doing some of this stuff themselves. Can I get an amen, parents, right? And, and just like that, our, our Heavenly Father wants us to have that spiritual maturity, Believe it or not, our God in heaven, our heavenly father, does not want you to be dealing with the same anxiety that you're dealing with right now. He does not want you to be walking in fear that you're walking in right now, or in the doubt that you're walking in right now, or, the, or being self-conscious the way that you are now, or whatever it might be, the addictions that you battle with. He does not want those things for you, all right? He wants those things gone. All right, and we can, we can pray and we pray and we pray and we absolutely should, right? We absolutely should. But with that, we should be maturing in our faith so that in January of 2025, we can look back on where we're at now and say, I'm not dealing with that anymore because I have matured in my faith in Jesus. We're not a finished product, y'all. We're not a finished product. And we have to approach our faith with that understanding, We have to approach our faith with that understanding because we can say, God, I'm not a finished product, and then go about our day acting as if we are. But if we sit here on Sunday morning and say that I'm not a finished product, then the answer to that, then then, the next thing we have to ask ourselves is, okay, what do we do then? What what does that lead us to? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2 says this, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. 
So we're being built into this holy priesthood. How? By craving spiritual milk, by craving Jesus. Okay? It's by craving Jesus. And here's what I want to say to all of us this morning as we talk about spiritual growth. What we need to understand is it's not this huge pressure that we put on ourselves to, to gain spiritual maturity. Oh, it's like last week we talked about that verse, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Right? And we can approach that by going, all right, Lord, help my unbelief. Ugh! And we just strain and we strain until we pop a blood vessel trying to get this belief that we don't have. And we put all of the onus on ourselves to do it. All right? When we grow in our spiritual faith, it's not by our own doing. It's by craving Jesus. It's by running to Jesus. And as we'll read in a little bit, by yearning for God's heart, right? By going to him all the time. And that as we do that, as we approach Jesus and we open our lives in, in every door, every facet of our lives, and we say, Jesus, come into this then all of a sudden the change just starts happening. But if we put all the pressure on ourselves to grow in our maturity, it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. I'm going to say it again. It is never going to happen. But maybe grow up in our spiritual faith as we crave pure spiritual milk. Listen, any of us, don't, please don't raise your hand on this. We'll start something. I don't need to do that. But have you ever been around an adult you spend some time with them, you walk away going, oh my gosh, they need to grow up. All right? Good Lord. <clears throat> they need to grow up. They're adults acting like children. All right? They're annoying. Right? Let's just, let's just say it. It's, it's, it's hard being around adults that need to grow up. They're lacking that maturity. And some of us, we've been, we've, been, we've been coming to church for a while. We got saved a while ago. But there's been no progression. And God's saying, you need to grow up. And I'm just going to say this this morning. I believe the Lord put it on my heart. There's some of us in here that are making mistakes or about to make a mistake that you know you're not supposed to do. You're not supposed to make that choice. And you're not learning from past failures in that. And you're about to do it again. Y'all, we need to grow up. We need to grow up. Learn from your mistakes and don't repeat them. As hard as it might be, you know what a lot of those, those instances are? It's, it's our lack of patience with the Lord. We just rush the process. All right, God, I'm kind of tired of waiting, so I'm just going to do this, even though I'm, I'm going to ignore every red flag, and I'm going to do this anyway because I've just grown impatient with you. That is spiritual immaturity, y'all. We need to just continue to seek after the Lord. Seek after him. Just putting that one out there this morning. Hallelujah. Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 3, says, I think, this is Paul, he's writing to the, to the church in Philippi. He loves, the, this is this, the whole book of Philippians is like a love letter to this church. He loves them. And he says this in verse 3 of chapter 1, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Check this out, verse 6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul is saying, I'm sure of this. I am confident of this, that he, that Jesus, who began that good work in you, is going to see it to completion. All right? He's going to do it. That's what he's telling y'all. This is what I was saying, tell, tell y'all this morning. He does it. All right? When we have that moment where we receive Jesus as our Savior, we are now justified before God. 
We are made righteous before our heavenly father and we have entrance into heaven. That's called justification, all right? Jesus is our savior. We are justified before God to enter into heaven, enter in communion, enter into a relationship with him because we're justified through the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross for us and we're covered by his blood. We are now justified before our father. But in that same breath, it's like this baton is being passed to where we enter into this thing called sanctification. We are made holy. And that is not a one-time thing. That is the rest of our lives, right? Where we are made holy and holier. So when we look at every January or every month or every week, we can say, I'm not that anymore because Jesus is sanctifying me and I'm being made more holy and more holy and more holy. But what Paul is telling the church here is that he is confident that Jesus does it. So we have got to take the pressure off of ourselves to do that. In other words, when we open the Bible, we don't say, God, let me memorize this verse. Let me gain knowledge right now so that I can be a better Christian, so that maybe one day I can start quoting all these scriptures and sound really knowledgeable about the word. Okay, but instead we open the word and we say, Jesus, help me to love you more and show me how much you love me. And if we have to stay on one verse, uh, Don Colbert, our president of our board, elders, spoke in our men's breakfast yesterday about this exact same thing. He says, we need to get in the word and find Jesus. All right? Reading plans are great. I'm not going to knock them. But if you read a chapter of the Bible and you have no idea what it just said, you didn't really accomplish anything. You checked a box for the day. We need to stop worrying about checking boxes and running to Jesus. And that might be one verse. Listen, if a verse resonates with you, stop right there. Highlight it. Write a note in your Bible about it. Read it 10 times over again. And that can be more powerful than any other one chapter a day plan that you're on. If you can grab hold of that one verse, it can change your life. But we miss those verses because we're just trying to check a box. Listen, Jesus isn't, he's not nearly as impressed with that as we think. He wants to speak to us. He wants to draw near to us as we draw near to him. So take your time. Release the pressure. And let him speak to you in those moments. Paul's saying it right here. He's confident that Jesus is, gonna, is, is going to bring that work of holiness to completion. So there's no pressure on us, right? But there is a little asterisk, asterisk to that. We can't just go about our day expecting things to be different because the pressure isn't on us, all right? We can't just go about our day and go, all right, James said the pressure's not on us to change, so I can just keep cruising along. No, it doesn't work that way. Here, here's, here's the truth about what we're talking about today. Growth, you're all ready for this, requires change. Okay? Growth requires change. And I love saying that in church on Sunday mornings. Yes, <laughs> preach, Pastor James. I'm telling you, growth. I'm trying to tell my wife that. Right? <laughs> Growth requires change. Couldn't have said it better myself. But then what if I said this? Next week, I want everyone to come to church and sit in a different seat. <laughs> no, sir. That's where you lost me, right? Yeah. Honey, we're going to another church. Our pastor's preaching heresy, right? 
telling me to switch seats. Are you kidding me? Yes, I want to grow, but I ain't sitting over there now. Ain't Jesus over there. Holy Spirit don't operate over there. I'm trying to change right here, all right? Yes, growth requires change, but I ain't sitting somewhere different. Thank you, Jesus. We love to amen that truth, but we hate to practice it. And you know who's the most guilty of anyone in here? Me. <sighs> Not like figuratively, James McDonald is the worst of everyone in here with change. I hate change. It can be the littlest thing. It can be the littlest thing in the world. If I get on Netflix and they've changed their interface, I'm like, I hate this. I, where's continue watching? Where did it, why, why did they have to change it? This just ruined the next 30 seconds of my life, right? It's my wife's favorite quality about me. She loves that I hate to change. Because she's constantly changing things. It's like, what type of water are we drinking this week? Is it distilled or is it spring water? I can't keep up. <laughs> But it's because she is always looking for what's best for our family, right? Always trying to figure out that best thing for us. I'm like, seems fine to me, right? You want to hang a laundry sign in the laundry room? I don't see why, but go ahead, right? She's going, James, growth requires change. I'm like, nah, right? The staff here is the same way. James, have you ever thought about, no. <sighs> Go back to your office. <sighs> yeah, but I really think that if we did this, we would go, shh. I don't want to. <sighs> but I love our staff that they do that. I love my wife because she's constantly looking at how we can be better as a family. And the re I give our staff liberty, and I need them. They're young, they're full of energy, they have all this different perspective because I do know that growth requires change. It doesn't hint at it, it doesn't suggest it, it requires it. It requires it. So if we want to grow, we have to look at our daily lives and say, what needs to change? And man, that can be hard. That can be really hard. But do we want to grow? Are we a finished product? No, we're not. Well, growth requires change. And we have to change. Here's the, here's, here's the thing about this. I, I actually, I want to I say this too. It's a, it's a little off, but not quite off topic. God does not create one-trick ponies. He does not create one-trick ponies. What does that mean? It means that the gifting that you're operating now is not your only gifting, all right? The thing that you may have been serving the Lord with for who knows how long is not the only thing that you have to offer the kingdom of God. And so there might be a season coming where he's saying, that's great, but I'm going to start putting you over here and having you do this. And you know what? We can resist that because I don't know if you've ever read of Mice and Men, but it's like the guy who strangles the, I think it's a bunny rabbit, he loves it so much that he actually kills it. That we, we can do that with our own gifting. 
where we, we, we claim it so much that we actually strangle it to death and we never go on to the other things that God has for us. You are not a one-trick pony, all right? There are so many other things that God wants for you to do. And if he's calling you to let go of something, let go. Let go. Because there's other things for you, but growth requires change. And it can be really, really hard. We got to let go. We got to trust God. Now, write this down as well. Change does not mean, necessarily, mean more. Change means different. Okay? Change means different. Now, if, if, you're, if you're new to Jesus, or, or maybe you, you're not new to Jesus, but this really haven't been doing much, maybe change does mean more for you. God's calling you to do something that you've never done before. Add to your plate a little bit. But it can also mean, check this out, change means less for many. And, and honest, honestly, I don't know of, of, the, of the people over here that God's calling you to more and those over here that God's calling you to less. I'm not sure which struggle more, you know. Because the people that God's calling you to less means you have to let go of things. All right. The people that God's calling you to more, you have to try things. And the people over here, God's calling you to more, you're saying, well, what if I don't have what it takes? What if I fail? Right? What if, what if this, what if that? And you know what that's called? We're putting pressure on ourselves. And we're ignoring what Paul said to the Philippians, saying that I'm confident that he is going to finish the work. And we say, I have to finish the work. I'm putting all this pressure on me of what God's calling us to. And that's not Jesus. If he's calling you to something, one, you're capable. One, if you don't have what it takes, he's going to teach you. All right? But if he's calling you, it's his doing. And what we're called to do in those moments is just to trust him and go. Fixing our eyes on him. All right? Seeking him. And for those over here where God's calling you to do less, saying, well, what's going to happen if I don't do it? Right? What are people going to think of me? Is the ministry going to collapse? Quick story. When I was uh, coming out of high school and the college, well, in, in high school, I was a part of this ministry called Youthquake Live. A uh, huge, impactful thing in my life, changed my life, gave me the best friends in the world. And um, when I, it's supposed to be like, it's, it's like a Saturday Night Live type thing where you have a live band, skits, and then there's a message at the end. And it was for youth groups uh, from all over the city, and you travel from church to church once a month and put on a show. And um, the, the way it was built was, once you get out of high school, you know, you're, you're kind of done, and it's only for middle and high schoolers. But I was part of it right at, you know, it's, it's inception, it was very new, and when our group graduated, like, none of us were really ready to not do it anymore, and so the pastor, Sean Yost, who was head overall, just kind of created an intern program, and so we became interns, and that was what our freshman year of college looked like. Well, after freshman year of college, we weren't quite ready to quit either, so he created the graduate intern program, <laughs> and we did that, right? And then well, all of a sudden, we were graduate interns, it's like, okay, we're like 20 now, and there's like 13-year-olds over there. We started feeling like the high schooler that's still going to the homecoming dance, you know, or the college, <laughs> high school graduate. Um, and so I, I, I distinctly remember this, and I really believe this is a lesson the Lord told, taught me at a younger age. Um, I was with my buddy Dave, and we were both, I mean, we were being so sincere and so genuine. We were like, we knew it was our time. We, we were kind of done with it. And we were saying, like, if we quit, like, what's going to happen? Like, Youthquake's going to die. And I'm here to tell y'all, there's like a show next week or something like for Youthquake. Like it's 25 plus years later, it's still going on without me being in the cast, all right? 
It's amazing, right? Who would have thought that Jesus can still use Youthquake without James McDonald in the cast? But he taught me something in that time. And that was it, that God is not dependent on us. When our time is up, you know what happens when we stay too long? We're taking someone else's spot. We're taking someone, we got to get out of the way for other people, all right? And so if God is calling you to something else, one, you're not the one-trick pony that you think you are. Give yourself more credit and certainly give God more credit. And understand that you are taking up space for the person that's supposed to be there, all right? So whatever side of the line that you're on, if God's calling you to more, trust him. If God's calling you to less, trust him. Thank you, Jesus. All right, we just read this verse actually two weeks ago in our first week on this series, Believe. But I'm going to read it again and have even a different take on it. It's out of Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Here it is, verse 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. When we fix our eyes, when we, when, when we take our eyes off of Jesus, y'all, we put the responsibility, we put the onus, we put the pressure on ourselves to grow. But when we fix our eyes on Jesus, we just grow. We just grow. When we take our eyes off of Jesus, we grow weary. When we fix our eyes on Jesus, there's life. If you put a plant in a dark room with no sunlight, no water, and say, grow, it's never going to. But if you just put it out in sunlight and let the rainwater hit it, it just grows. And that's what it's like with Jesus. When we fix our eyes on him and we run to him, we just say, God, here's every bit of me. I'm going to open every door of my life for you to come in. We just grow because that's what he does. We've got to take the pressure, all this, this ridiculous pressure off of ourselves. Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 19 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, here it is, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. And with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So there it is right there in verse 21, or sorry, verse 22. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. I want to say this. We grow through sincerity with God. It's really hard to grow when we're not sincere with our Heavenly Father. What does that look like when we pray to Him? We don't go, God, you know, just just go through the routine and say, Jesus, amen. It's like, Lord, I am struggling. I'm ready to give up. I want to give up. I don't want to do this. I don't want to love on that person. Whatever it might be, Lord, I'm hurting. I'm wondering if you're even here right now. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. That's sincerity with God. That's when he can meet you. That's when he can talk to you. He's not looking for this counterfeit prayer. 
that sounds good as it comes out of our mouth, but really has no life in it. But as we go to him with sincere hearts, then he can work in and through us to draw near to him. There's two things I want to take from this. The other part of this verse in 24, which says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward loving and works. Let us consider one another. And I'm breaking this down into two parts in terms of our spiritual growth. The first one is this. We can't blame other people for our lack of spiritual growth. We can't blame other people for it. In other words, yes, Jesus, I'm going to grow in my faith. I'm going to have more spiritual growth when you fix all the people around me that are driving me crazy. We all have them. And I want to say this. God does his best work in us when those people are in our lives. Right? He will use the people that drive us the craziest to mature our faith. We're going to say, God, this person, this person, this person. Blah, 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 blah. And you know what his response is going to be? Yeah, let's talk about what that means for you. I got them. I don't need you to tattle on them. I don't need you to tell me how to fix them. Let's talk about you in this. So we're not blaming other people for our lack of spiritual growth. God's going to use those people for us to grow. Because, you know, pats on the back, they don't make us grow. They make us comfortable. That's it. And a lot of times the reason that we don't want to grow is because we would rather just be comfortable. Comfortable complaining, comfortable sitting still, all those comforts. But grow, well, that requires change. I'm not really sure I want to do that. So we can't blame other people, the people that are in our lives that are difficult. Here's the, other, the flip side of that. We also very, very, very much need people in our lives so that we can grow spiritually. If you look back on the last year, right, you said, I'm not the same person that I was a year ago. And you really think about it. Like, have you thought about how you are not the same person that you were a year ago? Or even six months ago? Or even just a couple months ago? Or maybe even last week? If you're not that same person, I guarantee you there was someone else or some other people in your life that helped you to get to where you are now. Guarantee it. I guarantee it. We need other people. That's why it says in Hebrews what we already read. We, we can't forsake the gathering. We got to keep gathering. We need the church. We need one another. We need Sundays to be encouraged. We need Sundays to worship together. We need our Sunday mornings. We need community groups. Because Sunday is a, is a great time to get together, but it's one day a week for just a couple hours. Y'all, we desperately need community groups. If you're not part of one, get in one. And listen, I said this yesterday at the men's breakfast. I'm going to say it again today. We have two men's uh, meetings. They happen right back there in our conference room. One's on Tuesday, one's on Wednesday. They are both at 6 o'clock in the morning. Listen, it is a business decision every single Wednesday morning for me to get up and go to that community group. It's hard. Like, believe it or not, I don't just spring out of bed and go, woo, all right, and I hear this like theme song in the back of my head that I just jollily drive to church on Wednesday morning when it's still dark out, and a lot of times freezing cold. <laughs> it's a decision that you make to get here. It's going to be a decision. Listen, the devil hates when we gather, and some of you ladies are going to have to make a decision to get here Thursday night. Now, I'm not speaking this out, but the, but the, the devil's predictable. And he's going to do something to, to many to try and get us to stop being here for these meetings. Ladies, come on Thursday night. Listen to what Valerie said. You need it. You need it. We need these times together. 
you need, if, if you have a prayer, put it on the prayer chain. That's why we have Rachel Brom here as our kids minister. We as parents need the church to help with our kids. Rachel, part, let me make this clear though too, Rachel partners with us as parents. It is not her responsibility to raise our kids to Jesus. That's ours. But she is an incredible resource and help. Just like Seth, our youth pastor, with our teenagers. That's why we have these things, because we need each other. Teenagers especially, it's like you can say it to them a million times. Seth's going to say it once and be like, man, you're smart, right? I've been saying that for a year! <sighs> He's not smart. <sighs> but we need each other. Yeah. <laughs> we need these ministries. Legacy. We need legacy. We're going to have an event in a, in a few weeks, the weekend of February 11th. We need these events. We need to be together because it's hard. It is hard. We need one another to spur one another towards love and good works because if left to ourselves, we're going to quit. We need one another. So get involved in whatever way that you can. I myself am part of a uh, network of pastors, lead pastors around the southeast. Some are in Mississippi, some North Carolina, a lot are uh, in and around Jacksonville. And man, I've been a part of it for about a year. And you know what's so encouraging about, we, we Zoom once a month. You know what's so encouraging when I, when I leave those meetings? It's not when I, I say something in the meeting and, and the pastors there just give me these words of wisdom and instruction or whatever like that. It's when I hear other stories and, like, and, and they're going through hard stuff too. I go, oh, it's not just me. Like, it's hard for you at this time as well. And you're struggling. Well, I struggled with that once too. I thought that was just me. But when we can get around people and just understand that we're not alone in this, man, is it encouraging. And then to pray for one another. It's huge, y'all. It is huge. We need to get involved. Growth requires change. And let's be really honest with ourselves for a minute. Let's be reflective for a moment. What is the Lord putting his finger on that I need to look at? What is the Lord putting his finger on that you need to look at in your life that needs to change? Maybe, he's, maybe it's, it's probably already been happening. I would imagine it is. But if not, what, what is that thing? Maybe it's a change in how we tithe. You've been asking God to fix, help you with your finances. But we're not giving the Lord our first fruits. Maybe that needs to change. Maybe it's how we, how we serve or talk to our spouse. If we really want our marriage to be better, but we keep thinking it's the other one's fault. Maybe we need to change how we serve them, how we talk to them. What is my role in this? Maybe it's in how we serve the church. We sit and we, we see all the problems about it and we complain about it, but we're not doing anything to help or in how we serve. Maybe it's a change in how we rest. We keep talking about how tired we are and how busy we are and all these things, but we never actually stop to rest. Maybe it's a change in how we worship. Maybe it's time to lift your hands and worship. Maybe it's time for you to get out of your seat and dance and worship. Maybe it's a change in how we pray. 
when you're in the car, turning off the radio, turning off the podcast, turning off whatever music you're listening to, and just giving that time to the Lord where you can be by yourself and be fully and completely sincere with Him. Maybe it's time to get baptized in the Holy Spirit and start speaking in tongues. Maybe that's the change. What are the things that the Lord is calling you to so that in a year from now, in six months from now, in a month from now, you can say, I'm not that anymore. I'm not anxious about that anymore. I'm not afraid anymore. I'm not doubting this anymore. I'm not beating myself up anymore. I don't feel this burden and this pressure of having to do all these things myself anymore. What is it? Where do we start? Because we can say we want to change till the cows come home, but if we just keep going about our day like we have for the last year or whatever, however long it's been, we're going to end up in January 25 feeling the exact same way. But if we say today, Lord, I want this. I want it enough to change. I want it enough to change. And I'm going to start seeking you in it. I'm going to, I'm going to take that step. I'm going to trust in you. Then I know for a fact we will not be the same church in a year from now that we are right now. And I don't know about y'all, but I don't want to be the same. I do not want to be the same church in a year from now. I want to be wildly different. And it's pretty electric right now. Can you imagine in a year what it could look like here if we are brave enough to change individually and collectively? Growth requires change. How much do we want it? You got to want it. How much do we want it? I'll have the band come back up. I want to close with these few verses that I think really just say it all. It's in John chapter 15, starting in verse 1. It says, I am the true vine. This is Jesus talking. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So every branch that doesn't bear fruit, Jesus gets rid of. All right, so there's things in our life that we need to examine. All right, is this bearing fruit, Jesus, or is this something to lay down? Is this, is this drawing me closer to you, or do I need to cut this off? You say, yeah, but it's harmless. It's not just... Is it drawing me closer to you? Maybe we need to lay it down. And then he says the things that are bearing fruit, he prunes. Yay. But it's bearing fruit, Lord. It's doing good, right? Yay, success. No, 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 it can do even better. It can produce even better fruit. So he prunes the things that are bearing fruit, the things that aren't bearing fruit, he gets rid of. You know what these verses don't say? And then there's some branches that I just let chill. Right? I'm just going to leave those alone. Right? Those are fine. Like, it doesn't say that. I wish it, I really wish it did. Trust me, I wish it did. Because I could go, that's that branch, that branch, that branch, that branch, that branch, that branch. Basically every branch in my life. Right? He doesn't give us that option. I wonder why. Because if there was that option, we would apply it to every single aspect of our life. He says, hey, there's those that bear fruit, those I'm going to prune. And there's that don't bear fruit, and those I'm going to get rid of. How, though? This is the most important part. Jesus says this. By abiding in me. 
Just abide in me. There's no pressure here. Just abide in me. Live in my goodness. Live in my presence. Trust me with your life. Trust me with your life. Growth requires change, and growth requires trust. In order to change, we have to trust. We have to trust him that as we change, he's got us. And y'all, I'm here to tell you, he's got you. You don't have to walk in fear over change in your life. He's got you. He says, yeah, I'm going to prune you. There's some things I'm going to ask you to lay down. But if you just abide in me, if you just trust in me as, as your savior, I'm going to see it through. I'm going to see it through. I'm going to see it through. We read earlier, it says, look, you're already clean. The work is done. You're saved. When you receive Jesus as your Savior, that ticket is punched. You are done. You are clean. But there's so much more for you. Will you just learn to abide in me and trust in me in those things that maybe have been gnawing on your heart that God's been saying, you need to lay this down. You need to lay this down. Or you need to do this. You need to take that step. But God, that's out of my comfort zone. That's not my gifting. You're not a one-trick pony. The whole point is to get out of our comfort zone. Trust him with it. Trust him enough to change. Church, I'm going to say, you can sit in the same seat next week. All right? You can. I'm giving you that. You're welcome. But besides that, what are the things that the Lord's putting on your heart to change? And I would encourage you, if you're married, talk to your spouse about this. Have a real conversation. Maybe there's things that you've been feeling that you've been even a little scared to say out loud to your, to your spouse. Because once you say it, it becomes real. Like, hey, I, I think God's calling me to this. Or, hey, I, I think we're supposed to not do this anymore. Let's be... Let's be a church that's, that dares to change. And let's watch the growth happen in this place. Let's stand up this morning. I'm going to pray for you all. Then we're going to enter back into worship. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to say one more thought. Father, we love you and we thank you so much for how your patience with us, how you love us. You could give up on us all the time and call us annoying when we're spiritually immature at times, but you don't. You pick us up. You continue to walk with us. You forgive us when we repent. And you see us through, Lord. God, I pray that all of us would be released of any any burden or any pressure of having to figure it out ourselves, that we're, we're straining to create this belief when there's unbelief, but that instead we would, we would let those things go and just abide in you. And I pray that as we open our Bibles this week, that we would even be released of whatever pressure we put on ourselves in those moments. And we would simply say, God, Show me what you want to show me today. Lord, in worship, that we would be free in worship. That we would lean on one another and understand that we're not alone in this. God, thank you that you want more for us. That you don't want us living in 
fear and anxiety and worry and self-doubt. God, and all those things that the devil throws at us all the time, Lord. But as we, as we abide in you, Jesus, as we run to you, as we fix our eyes on you, that those, those darts of fear, those darts of doubt, those darts of stress and worry, God, would just bounce off of us because we're too busy fixing our eyes on you to worry about what the devil is trying to throw at us. God, I, I believe in this church. I believe in this body, this family that you've brought here, that you are not done with us, that you want to add to this family, that you want us to grow and change. We thank you for that, Lord, that you see so much more potential in us than we could ever see in ourselves. Teach us today and teach us tomorrow and the next day and the day after that to be brave enough to change and to trust in you and to abide in you. And again, Lord, I say, for those that you're calling to do more, to take that step, God, that you would give them the courage. Father, for those in here that need to do less, God, I pray that you would give them the courage to do less. Lord, we honor you this morning. We exalt you as a King of kings and Lord of lords, faithful and true. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. As we close in worship this morning, I really felt this. Ben and I talked, and I said, I don't really, we're just going to see what the Holy Spirit does. If you don't know what song we were going to close with, we had some idea, but we are just going to kind of see what happened during the course of the service. And on the first song, I said, I think we're supposed to do this again. I think we're supposed to get out of our comfort zone as we end this morning, take off the concrete boots that we're wearing, and dance before the Lord, and have a good old time as we end this morning, okay? And for some of you for next week, growth requires change. I encourage you to get to church on time so you don't miss the first song. Amen? So we're going to close with our opening song, and we're going to have a good time. And if you feel like you're going like this, start to dance, all right? Let's have some fun as we close this morning. Amen?